It's great to see you today. We're going through the book of Proverbs, and today we're talking about friendship. We've looked at money, we've looked at time, we've looked at your word, and some of the key themes that Proverbs is about. And a lot of times uh, you don't hear messages about friendship. You'll hear messages about marriage. You'll hear messages in churches about child rearing. You hardly ever hear anybody preach a message about friends. And yet if you go through Proverbs, it's such a major theme within that book. It talks about it so much. And we know that Solomon being the wisest guy and the wealthiest guy, you would think that more people would talk about that. Jack Warner, he was the last of the five uh, Warner Brothers that was alive, so he sold his stock from Warner Brothers for $640 million. At that time, a reporter asked him, it was talking to him about friendship and friends and, this, and how they're going to react and this type of thing, and he said, I don't have any friends. That's someone that's very rich and very poor because in the world's eyes, you know, $640 million, you're doing pretty well. But can you imagine you have $640 million and you don't have a friend? What kind of life is that? That's a miserable existence. But there are people that don't really have friends. We live in a lonely society, especially people that move to a new area and, you know, people drive straight to their home, get straight to the house and people don't associate with one another. It's easy to not have friends. It's easy to not be connected to other people. So we're going to look at this. There's a book written called How to Win Friends and Influence People. The book was written and it was a great success because apparently people want friends. People see this as an important aspect of their life. We need friends. I find it interesting that when God made Adam, he put Adam in a perfect environment. And then he says it's not good for Adam to be alone. Which means even in a perfect environment, you're not going to be happy without some sort of social relationship. You know, you look at some of these beautiful islands, and, you know, they call them, you know, paradise, like Hawaii or wherever you like to go, Fiji, whatever, and they're beautiful. But if you were stuck on that island all by yourself, after a while, you'd be pretty lonely. All of a sudden, this beautiful place to live, you, you, you want everything you just want to get out of there. You want to be around people. We need friends. We need people in our life. Look at the great leaders. You know, none of them were going around without friends. Moses was a great leader, but he had Aaron with him. He had a friend. He had someone that he could confide in and talk to. You know, David had Jonathan. Elijah had Elisha. Jesus, even Jesus. If there's anybody that can handle Life without friends, you think it's God coming to earth as a man. But he had the 12, and as you read through scriptures, there was three of them that he spent more time with. So they were actually closer friends than the other nine. He had 70 people that hung out with him that were probably more than an acquaintance. But, you know, he had different levels of friendships. Because you can't be a, a close friend to 70 people. It just You can't. But you can know 70 people and talk to them and like them, but you can't be intimate with 70 people. You can become really, really good friends with a few people. 
But even Jesus needed that. Paul, when he went on missionary trips, notice how he never went alone. As you read through the book of Acts, when he was going and spreading the good news of Christ, he always went with friends. Barnabas was the main, main, main one he used to go with. And then later on, he was with Luke and different people. So you have to have people. You have to have friends. In Proverbs 27, 19, it says, A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. Circle the word chooses, because it's important for you to see that friendship is not accidental. You choose to have those people as a part of your life. You can choose not to, or you can choose to have them. You can choose how close you want people to be. Now, as a believer in Christ, I think we were called to be friendly to everybody. But not everybody's your friend. And not everybody that you're friendly to can be trusted. Right? You're going to be friendly with, but you can't trust everybody out there. And not everybody that you're friendly to should be a close friend. It's a choice that you make. You have to choose, who am I going to really let in? Because... I can have a close friendship with them. Who shouldn't I let in? (laughs) I'm going to be friendly to them, but maybe I shouldn't let them be on that inner circle because of wisdom. Because your friends shape who you are. Have you ever seen somebody waste their life because of the friends they hang out with? It's usually teenagers that we notice that with. But you even see people that are older than that, like Don Johnson, the famous actor. You know, I remember him from Miami Vice still way back in those days. But that was in the 80s. But in the 70s, his life was a wreck. He was, uh, it's amazing that he ended up becoming an actor and everything because he was, you know, every day partying, cocaine, booze. He wrecked about six cars during the 70s. And then he went to AA, somehow he hit bottom and he went to an AA meeting. And that started his process. So he became the regular part of AA until he reached a point that he wasn't using drugs anymore, he wasn't drinking anymore, and that's when he ended up making it, you know, big and acting with that uh, show that went on. But they asked him during that time, do you have any regrets? And he said, yes, I regret wasting lots of time with a bunch of jerks that I wish I hadn't spent 10 minutes with now, let alone 10 years. Do your friends affect you? Of course they affect you. You know, it was because he, these were the friends he was with, And he was doing what those friends did. It's still his responsibility. It's a choice. He chose to make those people his close friends. It it was destroying his life. He chose to separate himself from those type of people and get different friends. And that also changed his life in a positive direction. God cares about the kind of friends you have. He wants you to have positive friendships. The way to have good friendships is like, like, I want to have great friends. What do I need to do? It's pretty easy. Be a great friend. Think like, if you said, how do you see a great friend? Like, oh, a great friend would be someone like this and like this and like this, whatever you list. If you want a great friend, be that person. Because you'll tend to attract people that are like you. And if I want to have a great friend, I have to say it like this. If you have a list of what you're looking for in a great friend and you're not that type of person, why would that guy want to be your friend? Right? This is great for dating, too. Like, I want a man like this and like this and like this. And you make a list. And then you have to ask yourself, are you that way? Why would he want you? You know, you have to be that way to, you know, I want a woman like this. Well, am I that way? If I'm not that way, why in the world would she want to be with me? 
So first you have to decide, it starts with me. I need to be a good friend. And you will attract in, you know, the right type of people. There's six marks to a real friend. If I want to be a, a good friend, number one, I must be committed. And Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's not saying it's wrong to have a lot of friends. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is you can have a lot of friends not really be close to any of them. And then when you hit hard times because they're not really close to you, there's nobody there to really be there for you. You, know, you don't have, you know, it's like you're friendly to everybody, but you don't have anybody really as a part of your life. It's focusing on quantity, but not quality. And I'm saying it's great to have a quantity of friends. That's fine. But you need quality friends, people that you're committed to and they're committed to you. You need those type of friends. And there's a big difference uh, in that because there's different levels of friendship. You know, there's acquaintances where I would, you know, you send them a Christmas card or something. You know, like, you know, there's acquaintances. And then there's people that maybe you work with and play with. But sometimes they're not really those close friends. Then those are the people that are committed to you. They're so committed friends. Just because, I guess you can say, some are companions, but they're not committed. You know, you hang out and do fun stuff with them. Like you play basketball with them every week. But they're not committed to you. They're more committed to meeting you for basketball. And they're going to be there whether you show up or not. It doesn't mean they're committed to you. You know, but... You need committed friends. You need more than just companions. You need more than just acquaintances. You need people that are actually really close to you. People can be popular and never have any close friends. They're popular. They're well-liked, but they've never allowed anybody in. And it's a lot of times because they've never committed themselves to other people. They've allowed their social life sometimes to prevent that from happening. It prevents them from being close to somebody. They're busy impressing people, maybe on a superficial level. I've met thousands of people, but one real friend is worth a thousand acquaintances, right? You know, you, you want that real friend in your life, and it impacts the way that you live. Proverbs 18.24 says, Some friendships do not last, but some friends are more loyal than brothers. Circle the word loyal. That's what you're looking for. That's, it's saying committed. Find the friends that are committed to you. In the Bible, sometimes people make covenants of friendship. Do you remember? Um, I don't know if it was really like this in real life, but you know, in the old TV westerns, um, the Native American guy and the the Anglo guy would become blood brothers. Do you ever remember those? And they, you know, and it was like a this is a big commitment. I don't know if any of that's true. You know, you just see it on TV, but it had that sense of man. We're blood brothers. We're willing to die for each other. You know, I don't know if that's true, but it can be true with us. We can be committed to each other. We can say, hey, I'm willing to die for you. I'm here forever, you know, with you. Um, So being loyal, who you're committed to, who knows that you're committed to them? Maybe you think that you're committed to them and they don't know that. Maybe it's never been talked about. Like, hey, I'm committed to you. Maybe it needs to be talked about. The second thing is, I want to be a good friend, so I must be considerate. In Proverbs 19.22, it says, 
Friendliness bears fruit for a man. In the Living Bible, it says kindness makes a man attractive. Friendliness, kindness. Do you want to be attractive? Be friendly. Be kind. And it's true. I'm going to talk about it from a you know, man-woman situation. You know, sometimes you meet that man or that woman, and um, you don't think much about them. It's just, they're just a person. But when you see their friendliness, all of a sudden, like, they start looking more attractive. But nothing's changed, right? The only difference is the friendliness makes them look more attractive. Have you ever met somebody that, that you didn't give them much thought when you first saw them, but because of personality and they were so friendly, they start looking really good all of a sudden? If you want to be intra- attractive, just be friendly. That's part of attractiveness. Be friendly. If you want to know who your real friends are, make a mistake. And you'll find out who your real friends are. I'm not saying, hey, guys, let's find out who our friends are. Let's go make some big mistakes. Okay, let's go. No, I'm not, I'm not encouraging the mistake making. But I'm just telling you, if you want to know who your real friends are, make a mistake. Because they're the ones that come to you during the difficult times. They're not the ones that run away. Think about that. When you're going through something where you've done something really stupid that you regret and they're still with you, that's a real friend. That's a real friend. Why are they still with you? Man, the stupid thing I've done, like you can understand why people turn their back on you, but they don't. That's what a real friend is. That's why I want to be toward other people. I want to be a real friend. A real friend doesn't kick you when you're down. You know, a real friend, you know, they're there to comfort you and to, to show you love during those times. In Proverbs 17, 9, it says, Love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Love says, hey, if I'm a friend, I'm good at forgetting their mistakes. I'm good at that. I just let it go. I'm choosing to overlook it. I don't rub it in. I rub it out. That's how you have great marriages. That's how you have great friendships with people. You know, you just choose to forget it. Friends are committed. Friends are considerate. If you want to have friends that are considerate, you have to be considerate to them. Number three, I must be confidential. In Proverbs eleven thirteen, it says, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. So it's saying, can I keep a secret? It, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's really a sad thing. But it's, it's funny how high school is because, you know, going there and coaching the kids and seeing how high school kids react, um, something happens and the gossip spreads around. <laughs> I'm telling you, in, in that five-minute break between classes, the gossip is spread all over the school. I don't know how it happens. I don't know how that's possible. But yeah, <laughs> notes and talking and everything, and I, it just like spreads like fire. And uh, something happened third period, and by fourth period, everybody in the world knows what's happened. And they're talked about it. They have their opinion on it. And some, some poor guy or girl has been talked about. What it is, they don't know what real friendship is. Yeah, a real fin- friend wouldn't say the things or gossip the things I hear the kids gossiping about. Obviously, a lot of people don't have real friends in their life. Notice how many kiss and tell books are so popular. Like somebody 
was in some sort of relationship with somebody that's famous, and then they write a book telling everything about what happened to someone who they thought this was a personal thing between the two of them. It's not personal anymore. Now that they're famous, here's my chance to make some money. You know, it's, it's, they weren't a real friend. Maybe the person thought they were a real friend, but they weren't. The quickest way to kill a friendship is gossip. There's a group of pastors, and they were all getting together, and um, actually trying to meet together on a regular basis. They, they said, we need to start meeting together on a regular basis, and we need to have an outlet where we can confess our sins. We can't do it. like some, Sometimes they're afraid of being crucified by their members. If I really confessed what my sins are or something like that, they're afraid to tell their members, but they need an outlet. And they're going through, you know, one by one by one. One guy's talking about greed and stuff like that, and he's the pastor. And he's having greed and temptations toward money. One guy's talking about temptations toward women and, you know, and his lust problems and this and that, and just all kinds of things that, you know, sound pretty shocking because you don't expect it to be from a pastor. They get to the last guy, and they said, well, what's your sin problem? He says, my problem is gossip. I can't wait to go home and tell my friends what I've heard today. <laughs> gossip will kill friendships. Um, so you have to be a confidential if you want to be a good friend. Don't broadcast it. Number four, I must be candid. I must be open and honest and frank. A true friend is going to level with you. A true friend will shoot straight with you. They'll let you know the truth, even if it's painful. Do you have people in your life that have the freedom to tell you the truth even when it hurts? Or are you so defensive and you have so many walls up that you can't hear the truth? And if you can't hear the truth from someone, you'll never grow. You'll never get better. The only way to get better is to have people in your life that will tell you the truth. I've been saved from so many mistakes that I could have made simply because of people telling me the truth being open with me and saying, I don't think that's a good idea. They're not afraid to hurt my feelings. You know? So to be a good friend, you have to be able to tell someone the truth. But first of all, be someone that's, that they can do that to. Because you have to live it first. In Proverbs 27, 5 and 6, it says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. So open, open rebuke. Sharing the truth. Rebuke means that you're pointing out a fault in that person. It's not a friendly word. And it's saying better to do that because wounds from a friend can be trusted. Your friend is not the person that says what you want to hear. That's not a friend. Those are people, you know, that sometimes you can't trust. Maybe they have a different motive or something. Your friend is the person that tells you what you need to hear even though you don't like hearing it. But that, that, that's a real friend. They're not afraid to speak the truth to you. That's someone that you can count on. That's someone that you, know, you can trust. It's hard to hear it, but you need that in your life. That's how wisdom comes. I want someone to be able to tell me, hey, Jimmy, you're heading down the wrong, wrong track. I'd rather hear that now than down the road after I've really messed up big time. You know, you want that type of advice from people. Proverbs 24, 26 says, an honest answer is a sign of a true friendship. Hear that? The true friend, the person that's really your friend, gives you the honest answer. 
They're candid. They don't keep the secret. Even when it's painful, they're willing to tell you that because they love you. They're trying to help you not to go uh, in a direction that's going to mess up your life. If you're married, listen to your husband or wife. I say this in marriage counseling when I'm with people. And it shocks people a lot of times because it doesn't seem right. I say, husbands, if your wife is criticizing you on something, I want you to know she's 100% right. People don't like to hear that. I'm telling you it's true. Your wife is telling you something that we've been dying to tell you, but we just don't love you that much. (laughs) Right? And wives, if your husband is criticizing you on something, it's 100% true. It's 100% true. They're just telling you something that we've been dying to tell you as well, but we, we just don't want to go through what, what's going to happen if we do. <laughs> right? Now, if you get that, if you get that, here's what it does for you. If what my wife is really saying is true, then, because we have blind spots that we really don't see, if we saw it, would we really be doing it to begin with? No. And the funny thing is, Everybody in this room, everybody that you know, you, you, you know that they have blind spots, but apparently they don't see them. But do you think you're the only one walking around without the blind spot? Do you really think that? No. Obviously, if everybody has a blind spot, things that they do that they don't seem to notice, then you do too, and you just don't notice it. Praise God they're telling you. Because here's what it does. With wisdom, you can say, okay, then this is something I need to start working on. They become a mirror. You start seeing something. Now, if I had a smudge on my face and I'm walking down the street and you see me because you're my friend, you say, Jimmy, what's that on your face? I'm not going to say, why can't you just accept me the way I am? You're always criticizing me. (laughs) No, I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to wipe it off, right? What I'm trying to say is we're walking around with smudges on our personality sometimes. And our reaction is, You know, why can't you just accept me the way I am? And we have an opportunity to wipe it off. Wipe off the smudge. It's a good thing when a loved one tells you something so that you know. They say, okay, I I really honestly didn't think that was a bad thing. I thought it was just normal because it's normal to me. But if it's not a good thing, wipe it off. It's, It's praise God that they told you. So an honest answer is a sign of a true friendship. Here's some rules about being uh, candid, though. In public, don't point it out. (laughs) Like like in the middle of a big meeting like this, hey, by the way, Pastor Jimmy, I've been wanting to tell you this. No, that's not the time. You know, um, it's like publicly praise people. If you're married, publicly you praise your husband, you praise your wife. Privately, you correct them. There's a big difference there. It's timing. It's knowing when to do it. Second thing is, don't correct them when they're down. Like, they're down in the dumps. They're feeling bad about certain things that's happened, and maybe they're justifying it because they're really hurt at the time, and it's t- they're not ready to hear it. Okay, that's not the time to correct them. That's the time to comfort them. When they're down and hurt, you know, that's not like, oh, this is a teachable moment. Boom. No, no, no. That it will not work. Okay, so when they're down, you comfort them, you encourage them. When, they, when they're feeling better, then you say, hey, I would like to talk with you more about what happened. I think there's things that can be done differently. 
And then you start sharing the truth in a loving way. But it's timing. You don't, you, when, when they've fallen flat on their face, that's not the time to correct them. That's the time to comfort them. And the next thing is, I said this earlier, I have no business correcting you if I'm not the type of person that would let you correct me, right? So why in the world, or who, you know, why do I think I've earned that right? I haven't earned that right unless I'm first open to your correction. So make sure you're you're the person that they can talk to as well. Next in your notes, I must be constructive. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, friend shapes friend. Circle the word friend. Your friends shape you. They shape the way you act. They shape the way you think. Have you ever hung out with a bunch of friends and they're talking about this and that, and now your views on something has changed? Maybe you didn't even have a view on it before, but now you do because it's shaping you. Your family that you grew up with, there are people around you, and they shape the way you think about things. Friends shape you. You're also shaping them by the things that you're saying. You have a tremendous influence on the lives of other people that you're in contact with. And the closer the friend, the more you're shaping them. We want to be people that build people up. Let's be constructive. Because in the same way it shapes them, you can shape your kids by tearing them down, and it's going to shape them all right. It's going to cause a lot of negative in their life. Or you can build them up with your words. Tear them down and build them up. But you're shaping them by what you say. It's the same with, with your friends. Build them up. Encourage them. I can bring either healing or hurting into their life. Think about your husband, your wife, your kids, your friends, people that you work with. You know, am I being constructive in that relationship? Am I encouraging them? Am I building them up? This is enormous for friendship. People want to be friends with people that encourage them. People want to be a friend to someone who, you know, that's the type of friends I like. I love having friends that will encourage me. When I'm feeling down, they say, no, keep going, and they encourage me, and it's good. You know, I want people to build me up. Everybody wants friends like that. If you do that, you'll have people, you'll have too many friends to handle because people are dying to be encouraged. That's why the Bible says it's so important to choose the right type of friends because if I choose the wrong type of friends, they can bring me down. They can just tear me apart. They can make me feel like a loser. A lot of high school kids that feel like a loser, I look at how their friends treat them, and no wonder they feel that way. Why are they hanging around those guys? Why don't they pick better friends? They don't need those type of guys in their life. No wonder they feel horrible about themselves. It it makes a difference. Sixteen times in the book of Proverbs, it talks about what kind of people not to hang out with. As a parent... I really think this would be a wise thing to do as a parent because we're encouraging everybody to read through the book of Proverbs, one chapter um, a day. Take like a highlighter and highlight the 16 verses because you'll see them as you're reading where it talks about what type of people not to hang out with. It's on the negative. Don't hang out with these people. But highlight those 16 and talk to your children about it and say, hey, the Bible says don't hang out with this type of person. Why do you think it says that? I talk to them. The younger they are that they learn this, the better it is. It shaped their life. Do we love everybody? 
Yes. Are we friendly to everybody? Yes. Is everybody really your friend? No. Should you hang out with everybody? No. There are some people you shouldn't hang out with. You're friendly to them. You're loving, but you're not going to hang out with them. You don't want your kids hanging out and doing the things that they're doing. Real friends are constructive. Emerson said, a real friend makes us do what we can do. In other words, they believe in us. They say, no, you can do it. It's amazing coaching. How many kids don't believe in themselves? And just with encouraging words, encouraging words, encouraging words, they eventually start excelling. And they're doing way more than what they ever believed that they could. Because it's, they just need encouraging words. A word of encouragement at the right time makes all the difference in the world. A real, trust, uh, a, a real test of friendship is how you handle your friend's successes as well. Have you noticed, like, you have a friend and you think they're, they're with you and you do something that's successful and then they get jealous? Like, what's that about? Why would a friend get jealous over your success. And because they're your friend and you did something that was successful, you know how you are with your friends, the people that you trust the most? You're so excited and you can't wait to tell them. And they treat you like you're bragging. You're thinking, wait a minute. What's that about? Because don't you think if you're a friend, they'd be excited to hear the good news? Yeah. Now make sure that you're not the one that's jealous. Make sure that you're not the one that when a friend comes to you, you get jealous and you're thinking that they're bragging. No, you should be excited for them. That's what friends do. You're so excited to see them excel. You want them to go to the top. You want them to be the best, you know, that they can be. You're not in competition with them because they're your friend. They're your friend. They're on your team. They're not the competition. So make sure that, you, you, that you're excited when you see good things happen. You join in with their victories. You go and brag about them. You know, they, they, they are. They're, they're, they're going to you because they're your friend and they're excited and they're sharing with it. They're not the ones bragging. They're just so excited that you're, they're your friend and that they can share it with you. And they're so excited about what happens. But you get so excited that you're the one that brags about them. Do you do that with your kids? Your kids do something that you're so excited about, so you're bragging about your kids to everybody else. Why do you do that for your kids? Because you love them so much. It's like you love them so much that you want to brag about what they did. If you love a friend, you want to brag about what they did. It's just normal and natural. That's what love does. We do it all the time with our kids. Why can't we do it with our friends? That's the real test of friendship is how excited am I, how enthusiastic am I about their accomplishments. That's a great marriage, too. Brag about your husband. Brag about your wife. You know, um, your husband comes home, and he finds out that you've been gossiping about him. Um, and because you were bragging to this person about how, how great he was and bragging about this person, and he's going to encourage you, keep gossiping. Keep gossiping. This is great. You know, when you're bragging about somebody... That, they're never going to be against what you said. You know, they might be shy and say, please don't tell anybody else. Some people are shy, but they're not going to feel like, it's, it's kind of like 
you know, it's like an honor that someone just is so excited about what you did that they're enthusiastic about it, that they're excited to tell others. Do you get excited about other people's success? Number six, I must be consistent. Inconsistency destroys friendships. Proverbs 17, 7 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Circle all times. A friend can be counted on. It means that they're dependable. It means that they'll see you through when other people think that you're through. It's when people walk out, you're walking in. It's, you know, you're being consistent. You're standing by your friend, even at a personal cost. Sometimes to stand by a friend is going to cost you. But you're being consistent. One of the real barriers to friendship is business. We're so busy that we don't have time to be close to people. I'm saying, if you don't have any real friends, you're too busy. That's too busy. You know, I don't have time for friends. No, that's a horrible life. You know, you want balance. God wants you to be consistent. So I want you to think, what kind of friend am I? Am I committed? Do your friends know that you're committed to them? Think about that. Where are you there? How about consideration? Are you considerate of them? Do you show consideration? How about confidential? Can you keep a secret? Can you forgive and forget? How about candidness? Are you able to go to them and say that they're blowing it? Are you able to allow them to tell you that you're blowing it? You know, I, of all of them, I pity the person that doesn't have this in their life the most. Because this is the number one thing that holds back people from being all that they can be. God has great plans for everybody. It doesn't mean that we'll achieve those plans. Because sometimes we hold ourselves back simply because we can't take correction. It's the number one thing that will hold you back. Are you constructive? Do you build people up or do you tear them down? Are you consistent? Are you loyal? Are you someone that's dependable, that you're with them all the way? As you read through the scriptures and God and how he feels for us, it's all the same things. God's a good friend. When you read scripture, does it, is it constructive? Does it build you up? I think it builds you up. You know, will it be candid and tell you when you're wrong? You bet it does, you know. As you read the scriptures, it does everything, the same things that we need as a friend. It does it because that's how God is with us. God is just trying to teach us how to be good friends just by his word, the Bible. Romans 5.11 says, Now we can rejoice in our wonderful relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins, making us friends with God. So friendship, part of that friendship is to be God's friend. Now, first time I read that, it didn't make sense to me. Friends with God, isn't he the guy that I'm supposed to be afraid of? Because that's what I thought at the time, back in the day. How can I be his friend? You know, you can't be God's friend. You know, you just have to, like, keep a distance and be ready to bow down and, you know... I, I had no idea that it was about a relationship, not about religion. Because as a kid growing up, somehow, I don't know if it was taught in the church. I just don't know how. But I had that idea that you try to be a good person. You try not to offend God because he can zap you. 
And, you know, you just had this type of relationship. And the idea of becoming his friend was so foreign to me. I missed the whole point. I was being religious. You know, God's against religion. Do you know, if I wanted to, I could show you, I could spend sermon after sermon after sermon uh, sharing with you all the horrible things men have done to one another from religion. It's religion. And when you hear all the horrible things that have been done because of religion, just even in the last 10 years, if you hear the horrible things that have been done because of religion, uh, if you thought that religion brought you to God, you'd probably be an atheist or you'd probably not want anything to do with this type of God because that's what religion does. I mean, religion is filled with horrible, horrible things that people have done in the name of God. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship, a father-to-child relationship, a friendship relationship with God. That's why the Bible t- talks about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can love a friend. You can love a father. But you can't love a tyrant that's ready to zap you. And if that's your religious belief about God, you can't love him. Why would you love him? Would you want to love that? I wouldn't. I'm so, good. I'm so glad that's not the God of the Bible. You know, do we respect him? Yes, we respect him. Like, my kids respect me and they love me, but I'm not a tyrant. But do I discipline them? There are times I've got, not again. You know, I don't know what you feel about giving a kid a swat in the behind. It's been the best thing that happened to me as a kid sometimes. And it's been some of the best uh, teaching lessons to my kids. But they love me. They jump on my lap. They hug me because I'm not abusive. You know, they, they adore me. I'm their dad. That's the type of relationship I want to have with God. Will he discipline me? Yes. If I get out of line, he's going to do what he needs to do to get me back in line. I believe I want him to. I don't want him to allow me to just go crazy and do something wrong. I want him to, to do whatever he has to do to get me where I need to go. Praise God for that. I want him to discipline me when I need it. But he's a loving father. I want to be able to jump in his lap like my little kids do with me. Every morning, my little girl wants to jump in my lap and have me read her a book because she just wants to be with dad. First thing when she gets up in the morning, she goes to my side of the bed. I'm still sleeping, and she's pulling Dad, let's get up and read a book. I don't want to read a book. <laughs> but because she's so cute, I do it. <laughs> because I, I love her. I just don't want to read a book, but I love her, so I do it. So God wants to be in a relationship with you. It's never, never been about religion. That's why he says, I'm your friend. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I can do that with a friend. Love your neighbor as yourself. I can do that. That's what it's about. It's not about religion. Religion can be one of the worst things that happen to someone's life. So today, I want to encourage you to do everything you can to build friendships with people and to build a friendship with God. It's kind of like a lot of my messages. What if we became experts at building friends with one another and we missed the whole point and we were never God's friend? Wouldn't it kind of be crazy? Like, we missed the most important friendship? Build a friendship with God. Get to know him as a friend. One of the things you might want to consider doing when you're praying is instead of praying, Heavenly Father, change the words to Daddy. Do that. Try that when you're praying. Because when you read the Bible, they were calling God Abba Father. 
Do you know what Abba means? Daddy. Abba means daddy. So when, when you read the Bible, when they were calling him Abba Father. They were saying daddy. So it might change your, your impression of God where you start seeing him in more of an intimate way. Like, dear dad. And then you start talking to him. And it might help you to see him more in a closer relationship than Heavenly Father. He is our Heavenly Father, but he's Abba. He's your dad. Do you know that over 80% of the people that go to church for the first time go because a friend invited them? The significance about that is this. What if you invited somebody to church and they ended up meeting Christ or meeting God through that. You know, talk about friends for life. That's friends for eternity, right? Could you imagine when you're in heaven and they're in heaven with you and they say, the real reason I'm here is because one day you invited me to church. And that became that door that God used for me to hear the message and end up committing my life to God and change my life. It saved my marriage. It did this, whatever it does. It does a lot in people's lives. You know, it helped me overcome resentment. I felt forgiven for the first time. I, I was finally at peace over whatever the situation is. But, you know, all the different things it does for you. And they're in heaven. They're saying, you know, they know that God's the reason they're there. It's not, but you open up that door forever. It's that for eternity. I think that's the best friend you could ever have, a friend for eternity. So I encourage you, you know, use your friendship as well to help them spiritually. Help them spiritually. You can invite them to church. You can talk to them. What, that's, I can't think of a better thing I could do for a friend than to make an eternal difference in their life. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we want to have great friends. We know it starts with us being uh, great friends first. So Lord, we're making a decision right now to be committed, to be considerate, to be confidential, to be candid, to be constructive, and to be consistent with our friends. And Lord, we're going to use wisdom on who we're going to allow into that inner circle. We're going to be friendly to everybody, but we're going to have some close friends that we pour our life into. Lord, it's in Jesus' name that we make this commitment. Amen. Now, as you commit to friends, I'm going to tell you something. You'll make a commitment to friends, and it's going to be the best thing that you've ever done in your life. But do you know that Jesus had Judas? One of the 12 in his circle were the ones that betrayed him, okay? When you open up your heart and you really love people, don't be surprised when one of them betrays you. Don't be surprised by that. If Jesus said, oh, because this one betrayed me, I can't have any friends, he would have thrown out the other 11 that were great. The other 11 that basically took the good news of Jesus Christ to the whole world. We wouldn't be here today in that church building if it wasn't for them. Okay? So, when you really open up, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if one of them's a Judas. Someone that you love and you, and you think they're so good, don't be surprised. That just means that you're a loving person and you're trying to have good friendships. The majority of them are going to bless your life like you can't imagine. And the good you're going to get out of it is going to be way greater than the one bad apple. 